All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss hey there it's michelle norris i'm host of a podcast called your mama's kitchen when i travel i'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when i'm not at home and one of the things i love to do when i am at home is entertain and airbnb allows me to do that when i was in california recently i rented a house that had a great kitchen and when we were sitting around the table we're all thinking we're in someone else's house someone could be in all of our homes as well If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Just after three o'clock on a lovely Thursday afternoon. Man, it's going to be unbelievable weather this weekend in the capital region. Talking like plus 10. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Uh, welcome back to the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live and Orders Nation. YouTube is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website where uh, all of the revenue stays right here in the lovely province of Alberta. That is uh, PlayAlberta.ca. And if you haven't tried it, use the uh, promo code SPORTS50 and you'll get uh, your free $50 to try it out. PlayAlberta.ca. It's nice. It's very good. Oilers, of course, uh, in the air as we speak on their way to Tampa Bay to uh, take... Ah, uh, they might have been landing by now. Uh, nonetheless, uh, we go out east. Our uh, regular Thursday co-host, uh, former NHLer, was the eighth overall selection in the 1995 NHL entry draft right here in the City of Champions in Edmonton. And uh, he's also a, a two-time author and is currently filming season three of the uh, hit TV show, Shorzy, where he plays Hitch. We are joined by Terry Ryan. TR, how you doing, hey. my man? I'm doing all right. It's been busy. Sorry to miss Monday. You know, I wouldn't have if I could have done anything about it, but, but it was impossible. Well, geez, you look all uh, clean shaven and oh man, it's like you got some makeup on there. I know you don't, but wow, you're looking all, looking all dapper, all handsome, eh? 
Maybe maybe this is part of Hitch's wardrobe, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm combining two worlds. You are right now. It's like the, the people world. are watching Hitch live. And in, in, one day, actually, we should do an episode of you as Hitch. That would actually be, or at least a segment where I interview Hitch. We should uh, we should do that. That would be quite fun. I would, uh, we'll, t- we'll do it about the show, about season two, maybe. That would be, uh, we should do that for a segment. I think I'll, I'll do a little homework and we'll do a, a Hitch interview for a segment on the show. That uh, wouldn't be a bad idea. I'm starting to get you. Know, like I said, there's Jared has a real nifty way. Like it's real. It's almost I don't overuse the word genius, but like he adds some depth to our characters. They're only 20 minute, you know, episodes. Right. So really, you can breeze through one. Not even the uh, you probably go see Oppenheimer. Yeah, it would be a lot longer than one season. Yeah. So to build up the depth that he does in the characters, because when you to answer your statement earlier, I'd love to do it. I don't know that I could have done it after season one. Yes. I could have just given you a Newfoundlander. But now I know enough about Hitch that I think I could pull that off for a segment or two. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, so yeah, for, for people who don't know, I, I think we'll talk sports in a second, but there's lots of people who watch Shores. You kind of take us through, you know, the, uh, Monday obviously was, was super busy. There's many scenes. Kind of take us through what's a, what's a normal day on set of Shoresy this week? Yeah, it's usually when you go in, it depends what time of day, it depends what they need, where you're going to be, whether whether you're indoors or outdoors at the studio. Generally this week we started at 7 to 9 a.m. anytime. And you're usually, a day is normally 12 hours. If, if you're in all the, and we've been in almost every scene so far, they're getting those out of the way. There are days we're not in. Uh, but like so far... A lot of loss, like a lot. We're getting a lot of that out of the way. We we rehearsed for the first week, all stunts, which is on ice stuff for the most part, right? And then on Monday we got into a lot of the dialogue, setting up everything else, and a lot of when everybody's together in a room. So, like I've said before, I've done monologues for movies or TV shows where I've had to speak two pages straight, and that you would think take, but to me you would think is harder. But to me, I could have less really lines that are peppered through but if there's 12 people in the scene and it goes on for 10 pages yeah it's really hard to remember when to come in and then you've got to remember remind yourself that you're acting you're not just remembering so you got to get get it fluent and then you got to get the character and then everybody's got to read off each other and then you get the beats it's like it takes a while and then you you know you get the shot from here then you get close-ups then you get coverage on each person then you get turnaround from the other way so you know today we just I, I just beat it here from I'm off for the rest of the day. Most of it's done. I think we got into today at seven. Now it's almost seven o'clock. They'll be going for another few hours. And our big one today was seven pages and a bit. And it was like, you know, a lot of the people that are involved kind of all coming together. We shoot it out of order, too. So right. it's one thing to know the script. But we're like, OK, where are we today here, boys? Which one is this? Oh, episode five. OK, then wardrobe will come in and go, hey, you didn't have this. You know, there's continuity to it, mm-hmm. right? You got to figure out exactly where you've been. There's people in line for that. But still, it's a big process. It's a community process. It really is. Reminds me a lot of playing on a hockey team in that hmm. every cog in the wheel is important. And, you know, he's got to be gone if you want to have a good day. Um how many takes uh, did you find? Like, uh, you know, we, we've seen a lot of out clips. You know, somebody says something funny and then the other guy all of a sudden starts laughing. Uh, are, are you pretty good at staying in character or do you find sometimes yourself you're like, oh, my God, you know what? I'm going to bust a gut here or something. How's it work for you? 
I can only think of one other time on another show that it really happened, like for real. I mean, it was kind of hard to keep a straight face, but like really, I started like I was on Hudson and Rex once, but on this show, like a lot. And yeah. you know, it's we're all together, we're all buddies. We, until they, when they say action, we've just been carving each other for four minutes before that anyway, or talking about a story, or so it's a lot, and it's a lot of meta reality, right? Yeah. You'll see a lot of these guys that we brought in are actual hockey players, as they were in season two, so they're telling stories where there's. Six degrees of separation. There's like one degree of separation. Like we all say, oh, do you know this guy? Sure, I played with him. So, and then you know, then it's a story, and um, and we're all Canadians, so it's not just hockey. It's like you know, we're in Sudbury. There's lots of people from West Quebec, East. So then, it's about geography, and everybody's got something in common. Um, generally, the other thing is, Jason, we might get a shot, and it might feel right, but you you usually get an extra one just in case, just to be safe, and then something might happen. Go, oh, you know what? That's actually better, Hitch. When you do it that way, don't do it with such an exclamation. Do it with curiosity, and it's a completely different tone. And they might catch that and go, let's just get one in the bag anyway. It might work. That happens a lot. So there's a setup. Generally, they're, they're planning on 12 hours, give or take. And like I said, a lot of different – there's a lot of nuances to it, right? And, and you want to get it right. So it's, these days are big when everybody's in a scene. The ones where there's two or three of us, I mean – the process is easier. I mean, the acting might not be, but the process is. Okay, that makes sense. Um, uh, speaking of the process, the Edmonton orders, it's going to be a long process be- before they get back in a playoff position when you start as poorly as they did. But uh, you know what? Hey, you can only worry about the future. They've won three in a row. Great. Now they go on a road trip. Uh, I'm guessing that flight to Tampa Bay today is infinitely more enjoyable because of the uh, the come-from-behind victory last night that they had. You know, Darnell Nurse. Uh, first of all, Stuart Skinner makes a huge glove save late. Then Darnell Nurse makes a save on the empty net shot by McCann, which would have ended the game. And then uh, uh, Evander Kane uh, ties it and then wins it on a natural hat-trick, only the eighth player in NHL history to uh, finish a natural hat-trick in, in overtime. So, you know, lots of things, TR. And, you know, it's funny. It, are you a believer that, like, not every win is the same, but, like, a win like that where they didn't play awful, per se. They had a bad 12 minutes in the second period, no question. But they bounce yeah. back. They get a win. Now they're on the road. Everybody's like, ee, you know, you're excited. The card games are probably louder. How much or how long can a win like that maybe add juice to a room? Well, it depends when it is. Great question. But, like, at this time, I would think a lot. It's not just juice. It's relief, right? Because that game that game right there happened in the first 10. It just, they just didn't get the bounce. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're talking about I only watch now again. I've been busy, but I watched the third period last night. I've been reading up on the team. I've been watching highlights, but I did watch the third and they're a. It, it seemed to me still a bit high reward. Good to point out Darnell Nurse because people jump all over him. And I think I don't know if it is. It's it's his mannerisms out there. He often looks so like when he makes a bad play, it's obvious. But he dove for that man. And that was an empty net. That game would have been over and they would have lost by two goals. And it it totally changes. It's a completely different feel. So I like that you pointed that out, and I hope a lot of people did. I watched, and you know, on on a regular Tuesday in the middle of November or or February or whenever it is, it probably wouldn't mean as much. But given what they've gone through, and look, I could go into this. I will a little bit later on Woodcraft. Man, I just kind of feel bad for the guy. But I I know I don't know Knobloch well, but you know, Knobloch. I played for the Red Deer Rebels in 96, 97. So did he. But he got traded a month before I got there. Yeah. I was in Montreal waiting for the deadline to get sent down, practicing with the Habs. 
When I got there, he was traded, I believe, to the Edmonton Ice. But he went on to play at U of A and I believe win multiple championships with my buddies, the Hurleys, Ryan Marsh, who's been on this show, uh, Jeff Lynch, I think. A bunch of people I know played there. And so I've always had a beat on this guy. And I look, I, I've heard nothing but great things, great things. But it still doesn't mean I don't feel a bit bad for Woodcroft. And if they got those bounces in the first 10 games, if people maybe pulled their weight a little bit more, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But, but. Lots of time. That's the way. Hockey's not always fair. Yeah. I think they got a great guy there, and to 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 start like this is phenomenal. And I think it's sensational for Chris Knobloch himself. That win yesterday was real important for him. I think coming in, you know, and not only to get a win, but to come back and to do it. And you know, Kane needed a bit of a boost too. You know, there there was a lot of positives that came out of that game that weren't really on the surface. Terry Ryan joins us. Uh, we'll take a quick break because I want to get into uh, to Woodcroft and uh, playing guilty and, and a few other different things like that. And, hey, Woodcroft might not be out of uh, work very long, man, if you're watching what's going on in Ottawa here. So we'll get to all that and more. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you on the Thursday edition of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation YouTube. 323 on Sports 1440. Jason Greger, Connor Halley, uh, Terry Ryan with you uh, for uh, – Tr now, do you play? Do you play uh, fantasy uh, football at all? Yeah, here and there, I, I I tend to go pro line more than anything and just bet that day. But I do play some fantasy. Uh, okay, nice. Uh, the reason I ask it's is how I got to really know the game, Jason. It was yeah. only a few years ago that I figured, I was always kind of intrigued. I knew like the best players, but I wouldn't really know much about the game. And I'm still learning. But like the last few years, I got the the PS, I play my PS PlayStation a lot, and so I got the game on there, and I, I, I like betting on it. I think more than any other sport, it's almost built for that. So, and I learn a lot about it by doing that. So that's how I kind of keep my keep a beat on the game. Okay. Now the reason I ask is uh, we have our, our fantasy league. Our trade deadline is uh, is today in about uh, thirty minutes. So, uh, and, and in our league, we have lots of different fun rules, and so um, there's. If a person uh, loses too many, if they lose five games in a row, then they have to do a shot at the next year's draft. And then if it's six, they got to do two and such and such. So there's a little bit of payment for being terrible, right? Uh, and it's kind of a fun thing, whatever. We obviously do the uh, the draft and the offseason, combine it with uh, golf. And you know, there's lots of other rules. Like if, if a guy forgets his trophy after uh cuz we have two trophies one for uh the whole league and then one for the loser bowl and if a guy uh forgets his trophy then there's a penalty for that and so uh, in our trades cuz we we have draft picks in our trades but then now like you make it so you can include well uh, if some guy owes shots you'd be like well you, you know you're trading the, the other guy's going to acquire one of your shots as part of the of, of the part of the deal right so if let's say you owe two shots well now you only owe one so uh <laughs> it's just it adds a fun uh, little wrinkle so you try to negotiate anything you can uh into it and I was just curious. Um, How long have you guys done this? Oh my goodness! It's uh, I. The league started, I think, a year before I got. I've been in the league since '05, so uh, 18, oh, I eighteen it. years. I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. just perfect, like late twenties, thirties, like yeah. something that you know, right, right there. It's the wheelhouse for that. And now you guys are still doing it. It's, it's a bunch of buddies, probably, right? Yeah. yeah, guys, you know, and some of the guys you don't really see each other up until the draft. Sometimes, depending on how it goes, especially when guys get kids and life's a little bit different. But uh, like Kevin Carius, our morning show host, is in our draft, and he right now has a chance to become the Detroit Lions of fantasy football and be winless. 
the entire year. It is amazing. Oh, so anybody lines. out there, yes, like the, the O and 16 line. Yeah. So uh, be sure to mention that to Karius uh, next time he's listening. Like, it's embarrassing. Like, there's been some bad teams in fantasy, but whoo, this, uh, this is a, this is a tough one. Like his team's so bad, he could barely trade anyone because he doesn't have anybody worthwhile to trade for. So it's been a, it's been a tough year for him. And oh man, his, uh, his shots are piling up because he's lost 11 in a row. <laughs> I like that though. It keeps you engaged. Oh, By yes. the way, I'm doing the same thing in my hockey because I got half Oilers in, in both my pools. <laughs> so you're getting but spanked. But I do believe that. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to come around. I mean, I got McDavid. I, this is going to come around. I have no qualms that I'm going to come back, but okay. When you asked, so I, I don't have the, the like I'm I'm not a big gambler so like big portions of money just gambling with with fantasy pools that I don't know anybody no yeah. I don't do that the couple that I do with buddies are like spread a, a, amongst a few sports and we do other kind of things it goes towards we have like our own little day in the summer the boys call it man's day we you know it, it all kind of it's like accumulating points for a whole year and then it culminates in June kind of thing but it's similar you know. I like doing it that way. Uh, as a, we don't really usually bet a lot of money at time, yes, but it, for, mostly just for pride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's perfect. Now, give me your thoughts because we haven't talked about it. Um, the Jay Woodcroft firing, uh, you know, how it went down at the time earlier because he weren't on on Monday. Uh, what was your initial reaction to uh, him and Manson, and then not only the head coach but also Paul Coffey coming in? He's an advisor to the owner. He's an assistant coach. Yeah, I can't speak much for Coffee or Manson. I mean, Coffee's a legend. I don't know how much of a coach he is, but I mean, he knows he got to know his stuff. The only thing I guess I would question is like, it's a different game now, like with video and X's and O's and all that than it what used to be. But I mean, it's Paul Coffee. And Manson, I played with. Um, he was a wild character. I remember he hit me in the corner and he like elbowed me. And I said, geez, how'd you know I was there? And he said, I was looking in the glass. I didn't realize like, he was using the glass for a mirror. I was like, wow, what a wily vet move that is. Cause I knew, he knew I was behind, I was behind him, but I kind of shifted over and he knew exactly. And he said, I was looking in the glass at you. Wow. Um, and again, I can't really comment much on that. I don't know what he was doing, but Woodcroft's in the public eye. And you know, a lot was centering around him and his, I, I guess that D system came back to bite him. But look, I'm, I'm just judging on the, and I had Michelle Terry and I really didn't like, right. I had a couple of coaches that I really didn't like him being number one. So I appreciate, and I love Bob Laux, by the way, he's out there somewhere in Western Canada. I can't track him down. My coach in tri cities, right. Probably my, my, my favorite, you know, Rick Carey and Redder. I can think of guys I really liked and I appreciated that. Um, so I think a lot of the players and you could see that when they were asked afterwards, you know, he was some things transcend hockey. Not every coach does. Some are just X's and O's come to the day. They want all business. He seemed like end of sorts and, you know, some I cared about. And I think there was a few things going on that made it a little bit odd. Like at some point they were going to burst, right? I mean, they're mm -hmm. still not great defensively. And there's a lot of holes, but at some point, 40, 50 shots, there was a few going to go in. And I don't think when they were two and nine, they were really the worst team in the league. Right? Yeah. And I don't think they're going to get back there. It was, so there was that. And then, of course, they won. They finally broke the streak and were turning. And, and I get it. They were in a road trip, but it was just a weird optic for a guy that seems like and, and his record was like pretty immaculate when it comes to like Edmonton. Oiler coaches of late, anyway, being, I guess, go back 20 years, you know, so and, and it's everybody had the good thing to say about him. It really, really did feel like he fell on the sword and it, it wasn't, you know, he was just one problem in a sea of problems that all seemed that 
there was going to be light at the end of the tunnel with all of them. Um, so it's a weird uh, – I'm left as a fan I, with a little bit of an empty feeling. I feel bad for the guy. Now, the other side of it, like I – Ablock is, a, from what I understand, a real good guy, wears his heart on his sleeve, really cares. You can see that really early. And um, I'm sure that Woodcroft and company, but especially him, he's going to get a job real soon. If I'm out there and I need a I'm all over this, right? I'm all over it. It was almost an asterisk why he got fired. So I'm, I, I have all the confidence. It's a hard job, though, right? You see no. a coach like Woodcroft enjoy where he is. I've always said it. Like, I didn't even think about going into it. Reason being, at some point, I was going to have a kid, which I did. And it was just hard to move around everywhere. I, even the best coaches don't seem to be anywhere for five years in a row, let alone three. This guy was like 70-something and 40-something, and he's axed, right, after like two years. So I feel for coaches, and especially ones that have a good rapport with the fans and the players. And that's I think that's, that's a fair look at it. Um, you know, obviously – it's one where I agree with you. Um, he was the guy who took the bullet for the whole team. No question about it. He's paying for the sins of the, of the team. Uh, they didn't perform up to the, their capabilities. Uh, he also, Jeff Jackson wasn't the guy who hired him. And that does change things, Terry. And relationships are a huge part of sports. Uh, we've seen it anywhere. Coaches bring in some players they like. Managers bring in guys. And that works in, in any walk of life. You just, you know, you talk to anybody who, who works somewhere. And all of a sudden, if you get a new boss... Well, guess what? So there's changes because somebody doesn't yes. like the new boss or the new boss has a different way of doing things. It happens all the time. So and in a lot of places, um, if uh, if things are going wrong in the office, they don't just fire Dave, who's like the low level entry guy. Usually it's somebody higher up in the pecking order that pays the price for it. That's just kind of how it works. Right. This is one where everybody sees it and everybody realizes it's probably not fair. Right. But. That's kind of how it goes. So the, the one thing, though, the, the wrinkle that was obviously different was you're bringing in Paul Coffey, who's an advisor to the owner, and now he's an assistant coach of the team. And, and I understand he doesn't have a boatload of coaching experience. And so, you know, that might be an issue. Marty St. Louis in Montreal is showing that maybe that's not as big of an issue as some people think if, if you know the game. And, and to now, a lot of it now is more about, you know, communication and watching, see what you see. It's not like Coffee's going to see systems infinitely different than Dave Manson, right? But he does have some nuances. Evan Bouchard told us that, you know, Manson really wanted them to play a little heavier, whereas uh, Coffee's being like, hey, man, we need you to move the puck quicker. Well, for Evan Bouchard specifically, that makes sense, right? Now, you want Vincent DeHarnay to, to move the puck quicker for sure, but you also want Vincent DeHarnay to use his six foot seven frame, 245 pounds, and lean on guys. There's no question. So um, I am curious to see, like, Bouchard's the one guy who I think can benefit because, and Tara, I want to ask you this. As a teammate, you everybody knows the strengths of your teammates. And most, even at the NHL level, guys have strengths. Some guys have weaknesses where they're not as good as in other things. That's just a fact, right? There's there's still first and fourth lines in U9 or U11 as far as skill set goes. And then there's first and fourth lines in the NHL. Not everybody's Connor McDavid or Leon Drysettle. Just they don't want to be. They're just not. But when I look at Evan Bouchard, at what point does the organization say, okay, like, yeah, we want him to be competent defensively. But he's, he's never going to be a shutdown guy. Stop asking him to be a shutdown guy because he's never going to be the shutdown guy. But he can be better than what he's seen. So how do you find that balance? If you were coffee, how would you try to find and massage it so Evan Bouchard can maintain his best skill set, which is moving the puck and be offensive, but just find a little bit more consistency defensively? 
that's you know that's a great question and a lot of the time someone like coffee i mean not that manson i mean i, I don't know i'm just manson was there that whole time it's you don't really see behind the scenes someone like coffee though you know being a leader no i mean he's to say a legend would would be an understatement and that and that's true yeah so you know who would be good for this i i saw it happen with my own eyes in montreal um a lot of players might remember patrice brisebois and he was i know i remember them commenting like what i saw breezer he wasn't bad defensively but i remember them commenting and he really worked on it because he came out of the queue i believe he think he won a cup right away in 1993 i think he was in on that and you know apparently he was a free he was a very he's a right you know power play but really if he a lot of holes defensively at first from what i understand and um Anyway, he really came into his own and became pretty, pretty good defensively. And I know, look, on the team I was on, I know Stefan Quintal had a big part of that, right? It was in the dressing room. It wasn't just the coach. It was players that he might really respect, you know, within his own dressing room. Um, and it's not always a guy like Quintal, but the fact that Quintal shot the same way, played defense, really meant a lot. I was talking to Joe Dolo today. Um who plays, well, Joe Dolo on our show. And I was telling a story about Stan Drulia, who coached me in Orlando my last year. And he said, you know, my only problem with Stan was he was trying to, he was trying to tell me how to play defense, and I, I never got motivated. I don't care how many games you played in the NHL. You're a right winger. Like I, you know, and he goes, I just never felt, I always felt I was kind of on my own. Now, it, I would think Evan Bouchard doesn't have that feeling. He's young. He's impressionable. His game probably matches Coffee's more than Manson's. I can see why Mance wanted that out of him, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's just not in you. Yeah. So you've got to deal with this part the best you possibly can now. What is he good at? Puck moving. So do that a little bit quicker, right? A lot of, a lot of things he does are, are at 8 or a 9 out of 10. It's that quick. So I, I, I get it. I get it. If you're going to be good at something, let's be the best you can at it, and let's touch up the other areas while we – whereas Mance, I, if I know Dave Manson, he was going like fist-first attitude kind of thing. Not fist, but figure of speaking. You know what I mean? And maybe I de maybe Bouchard identifies more with him. And, of course, and of course, a guy like Ekholm, who's still probably – I mean, Ekholm just got here last year. Rome wasn't built in a day. I would think in that room that they help each other out. Yeah, no, and that's fair. Like I noticed last night, Seattle was was dumping, the, and it's wise. Like this is the simplest thing. We got people that want, hey guys, uh, other teams are clearly focusing on on Bouchard. They dump it into his corner more than Ekholm. Well, of course, right? There, mm -hmm. you, you always try to dump it into the corner of the guy that you want to get, be more physical on in hopes of of wearing him down. Now, the advantage if you dump the puck into Bouchard's corner is you if you're the orders you're like yeah okay well he might have to take a few more hits but we think he's going to move the puck and even if he, all he's doing is moving it to Ekholm you know it's a pretty good guy to move it to or he makes the right play off the boards and you should trust that that's the strength of Evan Bouchard so you say Bush don't be worried about them dumping the puck in you get so good at it eventually they're gonna be like well geez let's dump it into Ekholm's corner he's a little bit old he's a little bit slower maybe maybe we can get on him and he doesn't move the puck as well right but it is funny how and I'm sure when you played you guys everybody has it on the bulletin on the on the whiteboard hey dump the puck into this guy's corner you want to try to make him pay right or like if it's me I would actually dump it in if I was on the ice and there's Brett Kulak or Vincent DeHarnay. I'm dumping it into Vincent DeHarnay's corner all day long because his puck mobility isn't yeah. at the same level as Brett Kulak, right? So it's funny. You kind of change it for different pairings. Yeah, we. I remember it specific, it's great you said that. I remember specifically 
having that on the wall and two, a couple different teams I play, but it'd be like, okay, dump, dump, like we put notes up and dump in. And, and sometimes it'd be like brackets, slow feet or brackets. Um, can't move it quick. Yeah. Right. Because there's two different things. Yes. Um, I don't mind great oiler. One of my good friends, Sheldon Surrey and junior big, big, big guy, but really couldn't, couldn't turn that well. So I'm like, yeah, you might take a bit of a beating, but throw it in Surrey's corner. I'll go in first. Now, it might be someone like like Wade Belak who played defense in junior. Now he's huge. Same thing. Okay, we got a speed demon. Throw it in the other way. Or guy from Edmonton I played with, my roommate, Zenith Komarniski. Zeke was fast, but he had no idea how to get out of his own zone at first. And we, we could see people, you know, kind of chomping a bit to dump it in his corner, even though he was pretty solid. He just had no He'd just slap it around the boards. F2 would go over on the boards, get it, and they'd start a cycle. And he got a lot better at that, right? Um, little, so what I'm saying, I guess the same play, there are nuances to each, depending on who you're out there with, right? If it's a fast team, maybe they'll do option a, if it's not so, and guys like coffee know that if they can do anything, they can identify that. Right. I think when you mentioned Martin St. Louis, my only thing with him is that he hasn't been removed for the game as long. Right. And I, I know got a car dealership halfway through that stuff. I mean, you know, there. Again, it's Paul Coffey. So his advantage, I think, is is identifying exactly what we're talking about. Um, and I don't think he'll ever be too old to coach in that capacity. It's still hockey, and it's Paul Coffey. Like, it was interesting. Uh, Zach Hyman's comment kind of made me laugh. So after their win on Monday, Zach Hyman was like, yeah, you know, it was great to get uh, – uh, you know, Chris Knobloch, his first win, you know, get him the puck. That's pretty exciting. He adds, he goes, you know, and coffee too, but he's won a lot, you know? So <laughs> it was, even they recognize like, Hey, this guy, like, you know what? It's just different. How, how you look at guys, this guy's, you know, won a ton. He's won multiple Stanley cups. He's, you know, he's Canada cups, you name it. He's pretty much won it all. And even though it's, it, he is, and I, I think that's a fair point to bring up the Marty St. Louis, the style of game. He just got removed from it a lot sooner, right? Still a few years, but but much sooner than than Paul Coffey has. Although I think like how you see the game, Terry, um, whether you're 45 or 55, you you probably still view things like there's things you can pick up on, but it's more so how the players receive the information I think has changed a lot. Like they, they ask more questions, right? Like when you were, when you were coming up in junior, I'm sure you weren't asking questions as more. Yes, sir. No, sir. Okay, sir. Right. Nowadays the kid, well, why am I doing that? Why do you want me to do that? And, and which is okay to ask, but now the coach has to be prepared. Well, because I said so, well, that doesn't work anymore. Right. So you got to be able to explain your way. And you know, no, you're, you're, you're spot on. And um, as Teddy hits, Cock would say, but look, there's something else. A lot of people have been talking, and you know, I've been talking hockey for days with a bunch of hockey players on set and nowhere to go. Um, but one thing I want to point out: Paul Coffey has a lot of money. He this like he wants to do this. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of NHL alumni that don't want to do this. The and he's not even not a head coach for like uh, the glamour and the like. He's willing to go down and be assistant coach in the NHL. With all that legendary status and all that money, he has nothing to gain and everything to lose. And he's willing to do that. I got my hats off to him. This isn't like a, a power play move by him. This isn't selfish. This isn't like I'm Paul Coffey and I'm going to, you know, he's been behind the scenes forever. He's made good money in hockey and better money away from the game. He's going down on that bench because I truly believe he wants to help those players. And he's got such a connection to the Edmonton Oilers that got him 
well, where he is today for the most part. You know, of all the teams he played on, he's an oiler first and foremost. Yeah. And now he gets to give back. And I really, really respect that because he doesn't need to do it. He doesn't need all that stress, I don't think. I don't want to speak for him. But, you know, a lot of guys in his position, they might do the odd panel. But I don't know that they want the everyday responsibility to go in and help those young players. And it truly seems like that's what he wants to do. Dude, it's a grind. Like uh, coaching, there's way more. Uh, every player I've ever talked to that's become a coach is, man, I wish I was a player again. Like you show up, you do, you know, in all your hard work's training in the off season. You know, maybe you got a 20 minute, 30 minute lift or maybe you watch video for 50 minutes and you get to hang around somebody. Nowadays, somebody's making your breakfast or your lunch. It's already there. You walk in the kitchen and, oh, good. I get to choose from 15 different omelets or away I go. Uh, you're a coach, man. You were in there grinding for like 12 hours. Right. It's so different. And uh, yeah, you got to love it. So I think that's a that's a really good point. We got a lot of text to get to 833-401-1440 in our uh, Jiffy Lube inbox. Uh, Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Three forty-seven. How are you? Welcome back, Jason Greger. Show on Sports fourteen forty live on Orders Nation YouTube. You can always get involved. You can text us, uh, email us eight three three four zero one. 1440 in our Jiffy Lube inbox. And of course, always coming to you live from the E-Well studio, E-W-E-L, uh, always adding a spark to the show. And hey, guess what? You need anything electrical? They got it all. And not just electrical needs. If you're looking to make your projects more successful, they can help you out on that as well. E-W-E-L dot C-A. Got a lot of text to get to. I want to get this one, T-R. Hey, guys, I've really gotten into competitive ball hockey last year and a half. I'm now coaching my kids. I would love to hear uh, Terry's take on the biggest differences between ball and ice hockey and if you have to approach them differently from Joe Daddy. Uh, That's a great question. Rules-wise, I I really enjoy the the offense that ball hockey provides because it's really, really similar to hockey, okay, the rules. No open ice hitting, but... 
if you gain the blue line once you're on sides, yep. then half that then you can bring it back to the red line. So half of the arena becomes uh, half of the surface becomes the offensive zone. Okay. And so that would be the biggest rule difference. As far as playing, I really find that ball hockey, it's way harder to play defense because you're running. Right. And, and if you let your guy go, it's just way more obvious. Um, it's way harder. You would think again, hockey with the, the, you know, the open ice hitting and, you know, times fighting and, you know, the grueling nature, you're going faster and all those things. But when you're running and the, the, the offensive zone is half of the arena. And especially when you play like on a, we go overseas for most of these things, right? Um, it's usually on an Olympic-sized surface, and you've got to run around yep. and take your man. It's it, that gets that gets hard to do. Coach, you got to really come up with some good systems, some good players. There's you know, there, there's a large part that you focus on defense in ball hockey. Um, I find it there's the similarities. What I like to do, can't remember the name of the uh, texter, but what I like to do is focus on the similarities because. When I started, there wasn't a lot of ice hockey players playing ball hockey, at least not on like the, the national team. Yeah. And a lot of people were worried about training. And, and you know, t- I know that Montreal wouldn't allow me to play. And at the time, it made sense. But since, you know, if you're well protected and you want to go out there and it's just I, there's a lot of similarities. I think it can really make you a, a, a much better hockey player if you really try to play ball hockey the right way. Right. Okay. And, and we're talking Edmonton and Edmonton. There's pockets in Canada that it's huge, and Edmonton has all kinds of opportunity. It's got a great minor system. Um, their team often is is in the final or wins the national championship. They've really come a long way, and I would encourage anybody out there. And the other thing is that it's not, it doesn't it's not as expensive. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. It's not close to exp- as expensive, and it doesn't take a long time to learn how to run as opposed to learning how to skate. So I think it's way more inclusive, therefore being harder to stand out. A lot of people think, oh, because you played in the NHL, you'd be a great ball hockey player. No, not really. Look at the Chicklets Cup. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's the ultimate. Uh, what's the word? Um, equalizer, right? That floor when you're running. And for me, it took me at least half a decade to be, you know, considered on the national team one of the best around. And and and, and I really, really, really worked at it harder than I ever worked at being a hockey player. It came much more natural. But when you're, you know, hockey, you don't, you don't always realize, you know, you grow up and you're like, well, I got good moves and everything, but there's a, re- you, you, but you don't even, I didn't even realize I was fast because I skate kind of clunky, but you know, that was one of the things that were separating me. And, you know, I get it. It was just the, the, you know, you wouldn't think Wade Belak's a great skater or was. I'd say that because I love the guy and I often bring him up in examples. But if you put him out there with like his own age group, he would be faster for sure and bigger and he would look out of place almost, you know, because he's an NHLer. But in in ball hockey, I found, whoa, I didn't have that advantage at all. Like all of a sudden now I got to actually work and I got to get faster. Yeah. What? I've got to all of a sudden, like, you know, and a lot of these guys have been honing their skills forever. It's different with a ball than with a puck. It's a totally different dynamic. Having known the game of hockey definitely helps more than a little bit. But really, like, even on the national team now, half the players have never skated before. Like, really, it's it's way more inclusive, and I love that about it, and it really helps your defensive game. Great answer. Uh, a few other uh, texts coming in at the uh, 833-401-14. 40. 
Uh, hey guys, I don't know if you touched on it or not, but uh, what do you think of a Knobloch's decision in uh, overtime? Do you think it bothered McDavid? Uh, no, not at all. I think the decision made perfect sense for anybody who, who didn't see it last night. So the order started overtime with uh, Ekholm, Bouchard, and Drysaddle. Knobloch even explained his decision. But as I was watching, I was like, well, this makes sense. If you lose the draw, then you have two defenders on the ice and Drysaddle, and away you go. If you win the faceoff, guess what? You maintain possession, Ekholm goes off the ice, Bouchard jumps over the, or sorry, McDavid jumps over the boards. So I, I, Connor, like Connor McDavid, he, he's not such an egotistical freak that he's like, I gotta be on the ice the first shift of overtime. Like, who's a better faceoff guy? Dry subtle McDavid. Dry subtle. So who gives you a better chance to win the faceoff? Dry subtle. Now that doesn't mean, cause keep in mind, a better faceoff guy is still like 53, 54%. So still means you're losing it 47 or 46% of the time. And if you win it, then you're not wasting. And as we saw in overtime, Seattle, Seattle had the puck the whole minute. Now they didn't get a lot of many chances, but they had the puck. So now you're out there, you're skating around, you're defending, whatever. It would have been a waste of McDavid being on the ice because he's not playing offense. That's his, like, no offense, McDavid. He's not, you know, you're not, hey, let's, I want McDavid to play defense. No, in three on three, you wanted to play offense. So I don't think it bothers him at all. I actually like this strategy. And, uh, you know what? I, if I was a coach, I would do it too. We win the face off. We control the puck because it's three on three, Terry. You don't see guys. It's not like there's a high pressure all over the ice on three on three, right? You win the face off back to your defenseman. It's almost like the three t- opponents. Now they just kind of float back into their own zone expecting you. Like they send up one guy, maybe, but it's, you know, you're, you're basically, you're, if you lose the face off, you've almost lost possession unless the other team screws up a pass within the first minute. Yeah, totally. I look, you know what? I saw, I did watch, and I saw online some people were commenting. All I had to say to those people, look at McDavid's face after they scored. Look at him after they won on the way out. He's absolutely jacked. He's pumped. Those aren't, that's not acting. He's been, that, that answers the question. He's happy to win. Think of the dismal place that they were for a long time, right, with the, these guys that just couldn't figure up from down, didn't know what was happening, not getting the bounces. People are playing their worst all at the same time. I mean, you know, it was hell to get a big win. Your buddy gets a natural hat trick, one of like eight players ever to do it in the fashion that he did. You score, the place has gone bonkers. It's at home. Your old coach gets another win. You're on a streak. Oh, yeah. Connor McDavid is anything but selfish if I've come to learn anything. And if any, when they came back to camp this year, even though it didn't work, this, you know, captain's early, whatever it was, um, it still doesn't hide the fact that he's a team guy and he wants to win more than anything. Oh. And he was elated on the way off of that ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Uh, 355, Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you. 833-401-1440. Hey, boys, ball hockey doesn't get the respect it deserves, although it's growing quickly in Edmonton through uh, BHE and JHL. Harder cardio-wise and more difficult to defend, as Terry outlined. Also much harder on goalie is the ball curve significantly from uh, mortgage. Mike, uh, any tips, uh, TR, on how to get more of a curve when you're shooting? Well, like I talked about, so a good defenseman, those who know ball hockey world and a little bit of the ice hockey world, my buddy Justin Pender is one of the best around. Um, big guy, good shot, uh, you know, played for Team Canada, won, won a Nationals with Newfoundland, just an example. So, like, once we get the blue line, we give it back to him. The ball, it'd be curves for everybody if you take it, but, but it's some more than others, and there's a real knack to it, right? But when Justin shoots it from, like, just outside the blue line, it's really hard. Like, 
it's usually going to curve one way, but there's levels of it's like a it's it's almost similar to a knuckleball. Uh, you know, it, 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 I find as a batter, I've played goal and ball hockey. I find as a batter, it's even easier to track a curveball than it is the ball hockey ball. I don't think there's more movement and it's less predictable. And from those areas, if you're in real tight, it doesn't, you know, it's almost it'd be just because of the trajectory when you're in tight. But the further you go out, and Pender has a hundred odd mile an hour slap shot. So usually everybody's got a different system everybody has preferences just like hockey and there's so much open space that if you drag people out of position that backdoor play is there in in, in ball hockey as well me i prefer just give it to that point guy gun it all day we still got one out. i'll go in front of the net if we just keep going it's probably going to go in at some point we got two minutes of this we just got to keep getting possession give it back give a good guy five to ten shots from there and that's that's why ball hockey power plays are often 50-55%, right, if you're if you got a good one. But it is hard to track that ball for sure. Oh, God, I would think so, yeah. Quick break. Let's get to the uh, comment coming up in hour number four. We got uh, Ryan's rant, uh, help your neighbor, uh, five questions. Uh, we'll also go to uh, Calgary. Oof, Noah Hannafin, sounds like they were close on a deal. And then the Flames spun their uh, tires to start the season. And all of a sudden, no deal. What does that mean for the Calgary Flames? How many of these guys are going to get dealt? And uh, will this be a a massive sell-off come February, or does it happen sooner? Or if obviously the Flames are in the playoffs, do they? But but even if they are in a playoff spot, can they risk not trading some of them and then losing them all for nothing? Tough spot. We'll get to that in hour number three as well. But first, Conman Sports 1440 update brought to you by... Fountain Tire and the Road Ready Sales event is on right now. Select tires to $225 off. You'll get a bonus $50 off when you uh, book any service right now through until December 16th. Go online at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions apply. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 